0: In this episode of Do I Have a Choice, I will speak with John Sanai about connectivity and reverse innovation. John Sanai, CEO of the Future Collective, shares trend insights from around the world. His South African organization recently published three videos about trends on YouTube. One of the movies was taped in Langa, a township in Cape Town. Sanai reflects on two very interesting developments that we can learn from the people from Langa. Connectivity, and reverse innovation. What can we entrepreneurs in the West of Europe learn from those trends?
1: Do I have a choice, a series of podcasts dedicated to entrepreneurship and technology, hosted by Peter Jan van Deengrave.
0: John Sanay, you are an expert in translating global and local trends into a company strategy. You travel all around the world to read or sense what is going on in the world of business and economics. Let me put this first question this way. Is it really my choice to connect with local and global trends or am I condemned to follow them? In other words, do I have a choice when it comes to adapting those trends?
1: Um, I, wanna con- I just want to correct you with condemn to follow them sounds like you are in a prison sentence to follow them, and it, it's not really like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's more about the social world that we live in, and for us as human animals to adapt to the social environment to ourselves, to fit in with our local and environment uh, around us. So it's, it becomes part and parcel of our lives without us even realizing it. And if I look at where you live, Riding a bicycle seems quite normal to you.
0: Very if normal. You come
1: and live in Dubai, yeah. nobody rides bicycles. <laughs> <So> <laughs> That's strange. It's not exactly, yeah. So it's strange to you in Dubai if you ride a bicycle, it's strange to them. Yeah. So it's really about you adapting to the localized community that you live in, which happens naturally as, as humans.
0: Okay, and when it comes to adapting, do I, do I have a choice then? Or do I have a choice in which trends I can adapt? Or?
1: Oh no, you absolutely have a choice, but you automatically start moving with the herd. Yeah. Because what's happening with the herd is very much what's acceptable in that society. So for example, again, riding bicycles and having electric cars is seen as a is a win in Holland. Yeah, it's something yeah. that is good for society. Yeah. In Dubai, that's not a win. Yeah. It's just unheard of. Well, people are confused. Why are you using an electric car when petrol costs less than water per liter? Yeah. <laughs> so you adapt automatically to the environment that you're in. Yeah, and, yeah. But you can obviously go against the trend, but I really don't see you driving a bicycle in Dubai at 50 degrees in summer because that's just not going to work.
0: That's a good example. And an
1: electric car there is there's no station that you can charge your electric car so it also what doesn't really work yeah. so you are kind of forced to move with the trend but if you want to be stubborn you can't move against
0: it. Yeah clear so um, John you and your team you have developed an extraordinary process to learn from ten- trends as an organization and which you've called Trenovate. How can I as an entrepreneur or a uh, businessman learn from trends around me? Do you have suggestions?
1: Well you see most businesses today are are forced to innovate and continuously innovate and because we are in a position to want to innovate uh, all the time we are sometimes confused of who we should be innovating for at what level we should be innovating and how far ahead should we be innovating so because the closest thing we have to a crystal ball in this world today are trends. Mm-hmm. Trends are there to advise and to give direction to the innovation. And mm-hmm. that's what Trenovate was born. As a businessman, it's really cool to go and look at all the trend sites. But the tough part comes when you have to adapt the trends to your business.
0: That's difficult. And
1: so our business was its very difficult because mm-hmm. you're subjective about your business um, and you can't really see outside the four walls of your business and you shouldn't really be able to because you focused on your business and that's yeah. the right thing to do. But our business was born because we are able to come in to um educate and inspire and to make our clients brave enough to want to follow the trends that we're educating them on and to be very objective about their current business and the market that they're operating in Mm -hmm. so as a businessman what i would do is i would find a company that is able to understand the trends and to be able to come and help me Uh, and inspire me to shift with them because trust me it's a scary process to leave something that you've been doing for so long to adopt something new and you have to have somebody in your corner that's taking you through the process step by step
0: yeah so you have to make a translation from the trends to your own organization to your own product. and you say that uh, people from outside uh, they they can help you in that process
1: absolutely so if you think of yourself you wanting to become a great marathon runner or you want to enter the Olympics what do you do you find yourself a well-versed uh, coach, mm-hmm. and that coach then is able to give you new goals to move towards, is able to educate you differently, and then what you're going to do is find a nutritionist and a masseuse, and you're going to surround yourself with a team of people that can give you objective, educated viewpoints to make you a better marathon runner or an Olympic athlete. And business in, day, in today's day and age needs those um, Experts and entrepreneurs, um, experts and, and and sort of uh, thinkers around them, so they can advise them accordingly.
0: Yeah, those supporters. Yeah, coaches. Yes, supporters, and, uh, John, in one of your trend insights videos, you talk about connectivity as a trend. Uh, from Langa, you were saying that even in a township, people spent uh, more than 35 percent of their income on airtime. Uh, I was wondering, what does that mean for for businessmen and entrepreneurs here in Western Europe?
1: Well, I, you know, it, it, it only means anything if a businessman in Western Europe wants to go and do business in Africa or a less affluent market in the world.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It
1: doesn't really mean anything other than that. But you've got to understand that in the less affluent market, especially in Africa, um, the, the rate at which airtime is used is much higher than other less affluent markets because of the African traditions of storytelling. Yeah. Okay. The storytelling phenomenon has been something that Africans have done extremely well, and that's how they send their wisdom uh, across generations. And so, what's happened now is that the process of um, of storytelling has moved onto airtime and yeah. onto telephones. So, the platform so of storytelling is uh, is changing. It's changed absolutely, and so we're seeing this, this this move happen in a massive way. And you've got to understand that. Africa hasn't even started with connectivity. You know, our connectivity is way behind Europe mm-hmm. and already the, the the build up is so quick and so fast based on the storytelling sort of mythology that Africans carry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also seeing that because of this we see that there's a huge brand of bus transportation company in Uganda that is become so popular because they were the first bus company that offer free Wi-Fi on their buses. <laughs> and so people in those parts of the world prioritize airtime and anytime they can get to a place of airtime and if it's free, even better and they will then support that business so if a Western businessman wants to do a, Western Euro- uh, a a businessman from Western Europe wants to do business in one of these markets they must be angling themselves with connectivity and communication in one way or another
0: Yeah. so trends are, are, are also very um, uh, specified to different markets and uh, region as I understand it well
1: Well, you see the world, according to us, is split up into three major markets. Mm -hmm. The mature market. Holland is very much in a mature market, a market Mm -hmm. that has had money for a while and is quite civilized and quite conscious about the way to spend money. Mm -hmm. When then you get an emerging market, which is like Dubai or Beijing or Johannesburg, Mm -hmm. and this market has only just started coming into money and the way they spend their money is very different. And then you get the less affluent markets, which are the, the, the poorer markets around the world, and the way they spend money and the way they consume, again, is vastly different to the other two markets. So you've got to first and foremost understand which market you're aiming at. And then you look at the mega, macro and micro trends inside those markets.
0: Okay. And you also talk about reverse innovation. Um, That sounds very cool. What does that exactly mean?
1: So, you know, um, I've I've lived in Africa my whole life and and, and I've always seen this reverse innovation as such a wonderful thing that happens around me is reverse innovation is is innovation born through necessity. Mm -hmm. It's... because people don't have the finances or the science labs that the Western world has. And so what they do um, in, in the poorer areas, they come up with very novel and very affordable ways to create innovation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we saw on the longer trip was a mechanic that had gone to a washing machine graveyard where they throw all washing machines away mm-hmm. and started using parts from a washing machine to help his um, garage that fixed cars. So it's the the combination and the very frugal way of thinking that creates reverse innovation. So you can see reverse innovation in technology, in medicine, in science, and in many different and wonderful ways where you see that much cheaper and better ways of, for example, detecting breast cancer has come out of Botswana mm-hmm. um, of fire detection devices um, we're using radio frequencies, developed in Africa that now is not travelling around the world.
0: And, and so what, what, does yeah? what does that say Sorry. to you? What does that say to you, this development of reverse innovation? What, what can you learn from it?
1: Well, you see, the thing is, is that Unfortunately, in the Western world, there's luxuries around us, and we can't act like those luxuries aren't there. Mm -hmm. But the reverse innovation puts us in a place where there are no luxuries. You have to swim or drown. So because you're forced into that space, your actions change. And so the way you start thinking is different. So it can teach you a lot, and, and a lot of the reverse innovation has happened from Canadian or English or Moroccan researchers that are in Africa that yeah. then start understanding what is needed, but use the resources that are around them, which are very, very little compared to the yeah. Western
0: countries. Yeah. Uh, John, you have traveled around, um, around the world to Amsterdam, Utrecht, uh, Dubai, uh, other places uh, last month. Um, what uh, did strike you most in, uh, in these travels?
1: You know, um, I've traveled a lot in my life, but uh, I've been lucky to have traveled so much in my life. But uh, when you travel with a lens of understanding consumer behaviors, you have a wonderful time watching how different human beings are based on the environment that they're in. Mm -hmm. And the thing that struck me the most was how we as humans adapt to our environment so quickly and so easily. And uh, we saw some wonderful things on all the travels and uh, we were amazed at uh, the, the, the application of these trends with businesses in those, sort of, in those sort of markets that we visited. And it was just was a totally eye-opening experience all in all. And uh, it's really done a lot for our business and it's given us a lot more insight. So we plan to do a lot more traveling coming up.
0: Cool. And uh, uh, more videos uh, coming up on YouTube?
1: Absolutely. We are um, launching another two now and the next one we're doing is called 20 things that you can expect to happen in the next 15 years.
0: Oh, wow. Looking so forward to uh, seeing them. <laughs>
1: yeah, we had a lot of fun putting it together.
0: Cool. Mr. Johnson Knight, director of the Future Collective, uh, thank you very much for sharing your ideas about learning from trends all over the world. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Do I have a choice: a series of podcasts dedicated to entrepreneurship and technology, hosted by Peter Young van Weingrader.